0: Hey, you guys! This your girl Yahira Jones, and welcome to another episode of Dating with Herpes. As always, it is my hope and prayer that you find this episode inspirational and informative. So I did it! This is the second episode of August. Yay! <laughs> I have managed to stay on task with everything that I need to do in August, thanks to my handy dandy organizer. <laughs> Yes, I told you guys that I purchased an organizer and it, it literally is a notebook organizer. I could use my iPhone to keep track of everything that I need to do, but it's something about using an actual organizing book and penciling in and checking off everything that you need to do that's really been helpful. As you guys may have already heard me say, I am starting a new business. And it has been very time consuming, more time consuming than all of the other things that I had done in the past since I've had this podcast. But um, yeah, having this organizer has really helped me stay on task. And therefore, I'm able to present my second episode of the month and stay on task with presenting you guys with what I say I'm going to present you guys with which is this this new episode. Okay, I'm rambling already, so let's let's focus, okay? <laughs> um so on this episode I wanted to do a story time and basically talk about a piece of disclosure that I had A little bit, little bit of fear of doing. You guys have heard me talk about disclosing to my partners, disclosing to my friends and how that has been easy for me at this point. But there's another category of people that disclosing to has been very hard for me to not just do, but to even think about doing and that is disclosing to my family members. So I wanted to talk about my experience of disclosing to a few of my family members and how that went. So let's get started. Hey, are you there? Are you listening? me, I got a secret to share with you. It's a private group on Facebook called DWH. (laughs) Hey, you guys, it's your girl, Yahira Jones. Yes, I've created a private Facebook group called DWH, which stands for dating with herpes. So how do you get to this group? Well, you have to go to facebook.com forward slash yahira.jones.1. Again, that is facebook.com forward slash y-a-h-i-r-a dot j-o-n-e-s dot the number one. That's the first step. Once you're there, I need you to send me an inbox message stating that you would like to join the Dating with Herpes private group. Once you've sent me that message, I will send you an invitation so that you can join the link. Now, this is a brand new page, so there's not a lot of content on the Yahira Jones profile page, but I do have content on the group page. So again, go to my Facebook page, yahaira.jones.one. Send me an inbox message saying that you would like to join the group, and then I will send you an invitation. That's the only way to join at this time, but I want this to be a place where all of my listeners can come, share their stories with other listeners, and just be a community with each other. There are other, of course, herpes sites out there on Facebook, but this one I've created especially for you. So join me there. See you soon. All right, so before I begin with my story time, I know that you guys may have been wondering what happened to the episode I was supposed to do with the guy from Positive Singles. So you guys know I've been dating this guy from Positive Singles and everything was going well. I really enjoyed this guy. We really had chemistry. Everything was going good until it wasn't. (laughs) Until it wasn't. Um, He was a long distance relationship and he got to a point where... Where he says, I believe there's more to this story, but he says that he was getting tired of coming to visit me. In the beginnings, he was coming every weekend and he's three and almost four hours away from me. And he would come every weekend without me asking, just on his own, come every weekend for like the first three months of us dating. And it got to a point and I could tell when he would leave the next morning to go to work. He would leave on Monday morning, like at 530 in the morning so that he can get to work on time. And um, I could tell it was beginning to take a toll on him. So I said, you know, you don't have to come every weekend after he expressed that he was getting tired. And it just seemed like it was excused after excuse after excuse. And then we had a conversation about all of these excuses and me not seeing him. And, and what does this mean for our relationship? And he basically said, you know, I, I don't think that it's going to work. So I said, well, let's not concentrate too much on, you know, uh, seeing each other. I'm okay with being in a long distance relationship. Shoot. I dated someone in Chicago and I knew I wasn't going to see that person every weekend. I knew that you know, there's going to be periods of time where we would have to be absent from each other and we're just going to have to be okay with it. Um, but for him, that was a no go. So we went through a period of where, okay, we're done, but it was still like, we wanted to make it work. Well, I'm at the point now where I don't want to make it work. (laughs) I don't want to make it work um, because I know for sure that there's somebody else that he's giving his attention to. And how do I know that you may be asking, Yahira. how do you know that he's he's actually talking to someone and this is just not a figment of your imagination? Well, I asked him. (laughs) I asked him. I'm that type of person. You know, if I have these feelings, I want to talk about it. And I'm not the type of person where... It's going to be a full on fight or full on disagreement. The conversation may get a little heated, but it's always going to be in a respectful way that we have a conversation. So recently, my my aunt passed away and he called me just to check on me, and see how I was doing. And um, he said, well, I would like to come and see you. And he said, you know, I owe you a um interview for your podcast so i would like to come see you check on you and we could do the interview and chill and you know have fun or whatever and we was planning him coming down to visit me we was having a great conversation i was at one of my uncle's house while my my family was visiting coming in front you know the funeral and everything family was there and i kind of went to another room just to talk to him for a few minutes And we had a great conversation, but something told me (laughs) that little voice in the back of my head said, something is not right. You need to clarify what really is going on. So I asked him, I said, Hey, and this is not what this story time is supposed to be about, but I just want to throw this in here. I, I asked him, I said, Hey, um, so are you dating anyone besides me? And he gave me the huh, like the question mark, huh, what are you talking about? And I knew instantly with that answer that, yes, he was. Because if he wasn't, then the answer would be very, no, I'm not talking about nobody else, you know, that, that type of way. But the fact that he had to do the huh so that he can come up with the answer real quick, a lie real quick. And so I asked him again. And he said, well, I have been socializing long story short, because I really don't want this to be the story time. He did confirm that he, you know, been dating someone else. And I knew that that part, I knew that even though he never admitted it before, the fact that he couldn't find time to visit me. Like he said, like every time he said he was coming it would change. Like I had gotten to a point where I wasn't even um excited about the idea of him coming to visit because I knew a day before he was supposed to come, something would come up. He would have some excuse as to why he couldn't come visit me, you know? <clears throat> and so now I kind of in the back of my mind that it wasn't all of these excuses or these things that you that just all of a sudden came up. You were spending time with someone else. So that wasn't a surprise. So I told him, I said, you know what? You know, since you can find time to, you know, plan dates and go on dates with someone else besides coming to see me, you can continue to do whatever you're doing. You don't have to come visit me. It's okay. And he was shocked. He was shocked that I took that stance and I said, you know, I don't want anybody who doesn't want to be with me. If you're not satisfied or happy with whatever we were farming, that you had to go and, you know, entertain other people and see if there is something better out there, then don't waste my time, you know? <laughs> don't waste my time. I'm to that point now. It's either you want to be with me or you don't. You know, it's at this point, we've been dating for, months. We've been dating for almost seven months. So why are you seeing other people? Why are you wasting my time? You're not serious about me. You, you want to see other people. And then the funniest thing he said, well, aren't you seeing other people? No, I'm not seeing other people. What are you talking about? And then he kind of puts off like, well, maybe you should. All right. So now I know where we are. You're not serious about me at all. You know, you want me to see other people so that you don't feel bad about you seeing other people. So, okay. So at the end of the conversation, I just basically told him, I said, you know, I I don't want to be with someone who's questioning my worth. That I, I'm not worth it enough for you to take me serious for one And I'm not worth it enough for you to come and visit me. When you say that you're going to come and visit me, when you've told me, you've given me your word that you're coming, somebody else is grabbing your attention for you to stay. I don't want that. I want somebody who who wants to come and visit me, who doesn't mind the sacrifice of traveling a few hours to spend time with me, even if it's just for a weekend. I want somebody who appreciate everything's I have, I have to offer and see me as what they've been missing in their lives. And I may sound so you know, like a romantical way of seeing things, but that's what I want at my point in life. I've dated so many guys. I've, I've, I'm done dating at this point. I'm over dating at this point. I want someone who's ready to be in a relationship. Who's ready to settle down. Who's looking for their wife. You know what I'm saying? I I know that I am wife material. So I want someone who's looking for their wife, who's ready to start a family, you know, so anyone else, they can just kick rocks (laughs) at this point. And I hate to sound cold blooded like that and, you know, so structured. You know, but at this point, you know, I'm 40. I'm 40-something, 40-ish. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I had to let him go. And it's been now a week and a half since we really broke up. Like, before, we were like, "Uh, we don't know what we're going to do. Really, probably it was me. And then it was him, too, because he was still calling and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah and then you still don't even fight for it like it's not what it is you know you're just like okay well why don't you see other people yeah that just let me know where his head was and where he doesn't want to be so yeah that's it for me and positive singles good riddance I throw the peace sign you know I was sad I was sad for a minute um but yeah, it didn't last long. I, you know, at this point in time, I, I don't harbor on the people who can't make the decision of whether they want to be with me. Because I want somebody who knows they want to be with me. And they say that men know when they've met their wife. Like they know instantly. That's the saying. I don't know what's to be what's said to be true for women know when they've met their husband. But I've heard that men know fairly quickly when they've met the one. So if you're questioning and you're dating other people, then nah, I don't want you, bruh. (laughs) hate to say it like that, but you can kick rocks. Anyway, that is not what this episode is about. This episode, I wanted to talk about me finally, finally coming out of the closet, bringing the skeletons out And telling my family about my status. And um, for a long time, I believed that it's on a need-to-know basis. The only people that I told were initially, of course, my mother. When I was first diagnosed, she was the first person I told. Then I told one of my best friends, because my best friend had the virus— Um, those were the only two people in, in the very beginning. And then eventually I began telling, um, of course I told my partners, but eventually I began to tell close friends, um, because I needed that support system. I needed to be able to confide with people about what I was going through and not feel judged. So I chose my close circle of friends to share that with, and I wasn't ashamed to tell them because they were supposed to be my girls. And for the most part, I mean, literally all of my friends that I've told, they never, if they judged me, I didn't feel judged. Let me just put it that way. They may have judged me like behind the scenes or or talked about me to someone else, but I would never know. Um, When I expressed, you know, how I felt back in the day in in my early 20s. Um, and I disclosed to my friends, I did not feel judged at all. They were all very supportive of me and they, you know, said they didn't see me any different in that, you know, this doesn't change anything because you're still Yahaira, you're still Yahaira. And so they were my support system along with my mother. Um, and as I told you guys, all of my partners I've told, so I've had disclosures where, you know, I felt my safety was, you know, I was in danger of being, you know, attacked. I've experienced that. Um, but that was years ago. That was in my my mid-20s um, where I disclosed to someone and I felt like I needed to leave, like, or I was going to be physically harmed. And the craziest thing about that experience is that all we ever did was kiss. We never had sex. We never had oral. We, we didn't do anything. All we did was kiss. So I don't know if he thought maybe I had oral herpes. I don't, I don't know what his deal was, but, um, yeah, I felt unsafe after disclosing to him. But the the funny thing about that disclosure, I want to say like maybe three weeks, three to four weeks later, he called me wanting a second chance. Like, Hey, how you doing? I was just thinking about you type of vibe. And I wanted no parts because when I disclosed to you, I didn't feel safe. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't a situation where, you know, okay, I'll give this guy another chance because now he had, he's had time to think about it. But I didn't feel physically safe after disclosing to him. So I was like, okay, maybe I don't really know this person well enough. Maybe there's a evil streak in this person that I'm just now seeing. So I, I didn't want any parts of him after that. Um, I've had disclosures where I, were, I was cussed out. You know after uh, (laughs) I can laugh about these things now but I remember feeling very hurt and this was also in my 20s I sat down and um I met this guy at a club and he came over and I cooked dinner and uh, we ate we had a great time and while we was sitting and talking this is when I first started this is after my first love and I began to disclose early and um I I told him you know I had the virus and he was like wow you know he kind of took it in and I was like okay cool and I said well if there's anything I can you know educate you about it and you know let me know and during that conversation everything went well keep in mind I didn't even kiss this guy okay the next day I was in school because I was in college at the time I was in school and while I was in class I saw that he called and he left the voicemail message so when I left class we had like a little break I left my class went outside and listened to the voicemail and this man cursed me out something terrible he called me everything except a child of God and I didn't understand like why would you do that when we didn't do anything I didn't even kiss you you know what I mean like Anyway, that's not the reason why I'm doing this episode, but I said all of that to say this, even though I experienced all of those trying disclosures and I had overcome the fear of disclosure, the fear of rejection, the one category of a group of people that I chose not to disclose to was my family. Even my little sister doesn't know. And I plan to disclose to her when she gets back from the military training. Um, But I chose not to tell them because we all know that family can be our worst critics. Like sometimes you can get more love from a stranger than you can get from your own family. They are judge and jury a lot of times when it comes to things concerning our lifestyle, concerning who we date, concerning how we even dress. Like they are the worst at times. And they're supposed to be our biggest support system. And for me, I have... The majority of my family, not everyone in my family, but the majority of my family are Christians. (laughs) Oh, and I say this and I sound so bad for saying this because I'm a Christian, but Christians are so harsh at times. We are not supposed to be. God teaches us not to judge unless we be judged, but we are quick to judge people when they are living outside of what we think God will like us to live, how we think God will want us to live. So, and and it's, it's sad, but I know that I'm not the only one that feels this way about my religion. Like a lot of times that's why people are not or they sh- shy away from being Christians because they feel like Christians are so hypocritical. And this is something that we need to work on as a religious belief system. We we really do. And, and partly this is why I don't even go to church anymore. I still consider myself a Christian because Christianity is not... Um, you know, just going to church, Christianity is a lifestyle. Christianity is a belief system. Christianity or being considered a Christian is that you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I, I'm not trying to preach, but I just want to say this. I don't go to church because I have a, a personal relationship with God. I read my Bible. I, I pray to God. I, I talk to God, just like I'm talking to you guys on this podcast right now. And I believe, that a lot of times he answers me through other people, through things that I read in the Bible, through um, dreams even. And so I feel like, and although I know God will want us to fellowship as a church and to be connected, um, a lot of times the hypocrisy in Christianity even for me as a Christian, causes me not to want to go to church, which is so sad. But, but yeah, that's how my family is. Um, m- the majority, especially my, my aunts, um, <laughs> they're very hypocritical Christians, and I hate to say that. But they're old school. They're old school. My mom is just starting to come out of that old school Christian mentality and that's partially because of my little sister who' was adopted um, for me when I was growing up my little sister I mean for me as as I was growing up I lived in a very strict Christian home I couldn't even listen to R b or rap I couldn't that was considered secular music the only thing I could listen to was gospel music or Christian contemporary music. I couldn't listen to any other form of music. My mom really monitored what I even watched on TV and my friends that I hung around because she didn't want me to be influenced by people who were not Christians. So, but with my sister, you know, my mom's a lot older. Um, Her patience is, is not what it used to be. She lets my little sister get away with murder um, But through that, my mom has learned that just because you're not a Christian doesn't mean that you're a bad person. And just because it's an R&B song doesn't mean that it's evil. You know, there's plenty of R&B music and I feel like I'm getting off topic, but um, there's plenty of things that are not Christian related that you can actually get some good things from. Like there gospel, I mean, um, R&B songs that are about love, not just lust, you know? So she's warmed up to a lot of things, but I can't say that for all of my relatives, (laughs) even some of my cousins. I can't say that for all of them because like me, they were raised in a very strict Christian household. So because of that, I didn't feel comfortable disclosing to them. And part of it was, well, I disclose on a need to know basis. I'm not having sex with them. Right. You know, I don't, I don't have frequent conversations with my relatives because my relatives weren't, we, we, we weren't close. Um, we were very distant, um, to say that we were close growing up. Once we entered into adulthood, especially my cousins, we kind of separated from each other, right? I didn't visit my aunts and uncles like I used to because I was no longer in New York. I was now in the South. And because I didn't grow up with my Southern relatives, it was hard kind of forming that family bond. Although I would visit them and, you know, we would have great times together. We didn't have that bond to where we could talk about anything. And so, yeah, so when I moved down here, I didn't really feel particularly close to them. So when I did contract herpes, I didn't want to tell anybody. You know, I didn't want to tell anybody outside of my circle. And my circle consisted of friends and my mom, not my family. So, what made me want to disclose? Let me talk about that. I, I mentioned that, you know, I didn't disclose before because it was on a need-to-know basis. But I'm going to tell you what holding stuff in does. And I'm going to talk a little bit about something that's a little off topic, but it's still on topic, if that makes sense. When you have... um. Burdens, and I guess a lot. Of, I hope that you guys can help identify when I say having herpes can feel like a burden, it's a weight that's on you, it's a secret that you're holding in that you don't want anyone to know about, right? You don't want everyone to know that secret about you because you fear that if they learn this secret that you're going to be judged as, you know, as I talked about in, in previous episodes, loose or fast or dirty and things like that. And although I've conquered that fear with my friends and my partners, it's different. It hits different when you have those fears that your own family, you know, might have about you. That's a, that's a different type of judgment when your family thinks those things about you, right? Because when it comes to, um, a new partner, man, if he feels that way about me, if he thinks that way about me, I don't have to ever see him again. We can separate, we can lose contact with each other. And I never have to deal with this person again. Even a friend you know, if 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 a friend crosses me the wrong way and hurt me to my core, I can disconnect from that friend. We don't have to be friends anymore. Unfortunately, it's not that easy with family. With family, you are forever bound by blood, right? You are forever connected because you share the same bloodline. So when you have a family member who sees or thinks of you in a negative light, whatever the situation is, it's hard to, it's harder to deal with when that person is not related to you than when that person is not related to you. Because, you know, there's going to be occasions where you're going to see that family member, you know, and then now you have to deal with the awkwardness of, you know, what that person thinks about you and how they feel towards you. And then you start to have feelings about that person, you know, negatively because you feel, you felt judged by them. So that was part of the reason, um, why I held onto this, this burden, this secret of having herpes. Although I felt free in every other relationship in my life, I didn't feel the freedom I didn't feel free enough to tell my family members. So what made me disclose was, um, and I don't know if I talked to you guys about all of my past, but I'll go ahead and share. Um, I'll share with you today and I'll try to make it as short as possible. So I think I told you guys that when I turned 40, something hit me different. It was like a light bulb moment where I just wanted to be free. I didn't wanna feel depressed anymore. I didn't wanna feel sad. I didn't wanna have thoughts of suicide because I had all of those dark moments and it wasn't just herpes that was contributing to that. There was other factors that were contributing to that. And part of it was or for the majority of it was, is that I had a lot of secrets. And one of the secrets that I had was, um, that a family member, um, when I was young, around eight or nine, tried to molest me. And when I say tried to molest me, there was no penetration or anything like that. But he definitely fondled me. And, um, And he did it multiple times. And I was around eight or nine, but I never told anyone. Never. And that really did affect me. You don't think, you know, it's not, it wasn't, um, what am I trying to say? I tried to push those feelings down. And I'm not crying. I just need to clear my nasal passage. Um, I tried to push what I felt and how I felt as a child being violated by someone she looked up to. Someone who was a relative. I tried to push those feelings down and bury them. But they would always spring up in the most untimely places. Um, And they would show up in anger. It would show up in resentment. It would show up because I would hear people talk about this man like he was a saint. And I knew something different. I knew that he was a monster. But I never said anything. I didn't tell my parent. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell any of my friends. Um, none of the men that I ever dated. I would just try to bury the hurt and resentment that I had for this person, I would just try to bury it. And it got to a point where, like when I said in my 40s, where I couldn't bury that anymore because it kept coming up. And I got tired of trying to push it down. I got tired of me hurting and sharing and and, and holding in this burden where it was affecting how I was affectionate. I'm not the most affectionate person in the world. And I tell people that like when I, when I get into, into new relationships, some guys even ask me like, why aren't you affectionate? You don't know my story. <laughs> you know, you, you don't know my story and what's caused me not to be affectionate. And what it was is that I was traumatized by how this person, this family member treated me. To where I remember parts of me growing up, I remember my mom saying this was years after he did it. I think I was a teenager. And my mom came behind me to give me a hug, and I tensed up. And she was like, what is wrong with you? And this was years later. But that trauma kept affecting me up until, you know, my 40s. Up until this point, I still have trouble with affection. I've learned how to give it, but a lot of times it's difficult for me to accept it because it's in the back of my mind. I'm like, this is wrong. This is wrong. And this is because this trauma has happened to me. So anyway, um, the reason why I decided to eventually talk about it is because I got tired of holding it in. And I told my mom, I think I was 41. I'm 43 now. And I told my mom, because I got tired of holding it in. An and I said, I just gotta tell you something. And and this relative has been long gone. He's he died he, like I think in my 20s. And I still kept that secret. So when I finally told my mom, I just had to get it out. And once I got it out, it was just like the the Pressure button being pushed down on a pressure cooker and all of the steam just comes out. And I wasn't angry at anyone but myself for holding it in all of that time. And, you know, my mom expressed, you know, her, you know, being sorry for not really um, paying attention to my behavior. And even at, even when I just disclosed that to her, she said, I did notice a change in you, but I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And so for parents, you know, mothers, fathers, pay attention to your children. If something shifts in them, if their behavior shifts, not to say that it's always going to be a, a predator, you know, on them. But just pay attention to, to those shifts and investigate Don't just sweep it under the rug. Investigate to see what's caused that change. Anyway, so so I let that out. So like I said, that was like when I was 41, two years ago. And I felt so much better about it to the point where I started telling other family members what happened to me. And then it got out that he not only tried that with me, but he did it to other people in the family and not just kids, but he did it to si- not siblings, but in-laws and yeah, all of that stuff. But yeah, so that triggered, even though it was two years ago, I felt so much better releasing that to now today's time, two years later, I was like, you know what? I'm ready to release some more. I'm ready to release some more. And I finally decided I'm going to share my story and how I brought it to my family. I haven't told everyone, but eventually everyone will know. (laughs) Everyone will know. I I guarantee it. And my mom, she was a little concerned about me sharing that I have herpes with the family because she knows her family just like I know my family, right? Right. She knows that they're judgmental and she's afraid of how they would view me. And what I had to explain to her is not about how they view me anymore. It's about me letting go of this burden that's been weighing on me. I want to break free. I'm already freeing myself When it comes to my partners, I've created this platform to share my story. I want to live in my truth. I want to heal. It's not about them. It's about me being free and not feeling the weight of shame. Because even though I, I say that I'm not ashamed of having herpes and I'm not afraid of telling people that I have herpes, I wasn't telling it to everyone. You know, and part of me tried to cover that up. And I would say, you know, if they found out about the podcast, if they saw me, you know, um, talking about it or, you know, whatever the case, if it got out that I had, it, I would never say no, I don't have it. I would own up to it. But at this point, what I told my mom is that I wanted to control the narrative. I don't want them to find out you know, that I have herpes. I want to tell them so that I can control the story so they can hear it from the horse's mouth. What happened to me, how I'm dealing with it, what I'm doing now and how I'm not ashamed. And to prove that I'm not ashamed, you're going to hear me tell my story. I'm not going to come on the defense when you come to me and say, oh, I heard this, that and the third, or I hear heard through the grapevine. And then now I'm on defense because I want to know who tell, who told. No, I want to be in control of the story. I want to share my story, my truth, and I want to do it in my way. So I ended up telling my cousin's wife because I, you know, um, she's coming in with me on this business venture. And she had spoken about, you know, I was thinking about doing a podcast. So I said, hey. I have a podcast, not really thinking about her asking, um, what is your podcast about? Um, she said, Oh, really? You don't have to send me a link to your podcast, I would love to hear the story. And so, um, I said, Well, I'm gonna need to talk to you about what the podcast is about before I send you the link. And she said, Well, what is it about? I said, No, I want to tell you face to face because I want to see, I wanted to see her expressions i wanted to kind of pull off of her energy to see if she's being receptive to it or not so we met up and we, we was going out and at this point i knew i wanted to tell her but i didn't know when i was going to tell her and it was just like a floodgate we was on our way to a store we got in the car together she was driving and we were in traffic And it was like, I couldn't hold it anymore. Like it just started coming out. And I know she was shocked because she couldn't fully engage in the conversation because she was um, driving in traffic. But I I couldn't hold it anymore. I was just like, I have to let this out. And it's coming out now. And um, but she was very supportive. Um, Even when we got back to her house, we talked about it a little more. She expressed how she knew some friends who had it and, you know, that they're living, you know, life like they like nothing's wrong and and as they should. Um, And, you know, she she just expressed her empathy and um, it went well. So I said, okay, well, that went well you know, I'm pretty sure she went back and told her husband, which is my, my blood cousin. But I did at this point, I didn't care because now I was like, okay, it's out there. You know what I'm saying? Now it's out there. So now I have to tell more family members. So then, um, after the funeral, I told you, my aunt just passed away. Um, after the funeral, I told another cousin and she basically said the same thing. She expressed how, you know, she thinks her daughter has it, but she doesn't know for, you know, for sure. But her daughter mentioned something to her about it. She had friends their her friends are living their lives. And, you know, it's not a big deal. Like it was a big deal back then. So now I'm feeling even more better. So then I let my mom know, Hey, just to let you know, you know, it might be some rumblings about me because I'm letting the family know, <laughs> you know, about my status. And, um, she was very concerned. She was very concerned. Cause like I said, she's old school, but I just had to tell her, like, I want to control the narrative. I want it to come from my mouth, not from hearsay. As I know, some of it is going to be hearsay, but I wanted to be the one to put that information out there. I wanted to be that they heard it from me and not from someone else. So yeah, that's that's my disclosure story. And I'm gonna tell you the truth. It has it has felt like a weight's been lifted. Like there's really no fear at this point. There's no fear. Because everyone who needs to know, I mean I haven't told all of my family, but it's gonna get to a point where everyone knows and I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care if they know because this is my life and I'm making the best of it. I have not slowed down but what I what I would what, what I did tell my cousin was, um, I know that you all, wonder about me. Like why hasn't Yahira gotten married? Why does she have any kids? And I expressed to her, I said, there was a period of time, which was a crucial period of time, my whole thirties. I didn't date. I didn't, you know, have sex. I was celibate for eight years thinking like, if, if I sustain from sex, God is going to send me the person who's going to be accepting Of me having this virus. And this is going to be my husband. So I abstained from sex for eight years, y'all. Eight years. My whole 30s. Up from 30 to 38. No sex. I still dated. But you know. You know how. (laughs) You know how we are in this day and age. If There's no cookie or no nikki. A lot of times the guys don't stay around. So... That's what I dealt with. And, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what's been going on. And, you know, it's still fairly new as far as me telling, um, my, my cousins, um, the next person I'm going to tell is my sister. When she returns from her military training, I, I plan to have a sit down with her, um, because she has talked about herpes in a derogatory way. I want to say, you know, I think she told me, Oh, one of my friends, they have herpes. And she said it in a joking way. I want to say not derogatory, but in a joking way. So I want to sit down with her and let her know the truth about herpes. Um, and that it doesn't have to affect a person's life that she's susceptible to it because of her lifestyle. Um, If you're having sex, you you can easily get it. So it's not uncommon. I want to educate her on the truth about herpes and that it's not something to put someone down for because they have it. Because this is like the most common disease, one of the most common diseases out there that people just don't talk about. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to sit down and talk to her, let her know and, you know, educate her on that. And I'm going to see how the rest of it goes. Like I said, it's it's been my um, cousin, not cousin, but my aunt passed away two two weeks ago. And so, and I I disclosed to my cousin's wife three weeks ago. And then my second cousin just um, two weeks ago. So yeah, so I I plan to keep going um, with disclosing to them. Um, because I have some big things coming up. I have some big ideas. I don't want to be in the shadows anymore. My first step of coming out of the shadows was doing DWH. You guys now know what I look like. You know what I sound like. You have pictures of me. You see me in videos, so you know it's me. And the next step is, is yet to come. And I'm excited about it. I'm not afraid. Um, I just want to live my life, y'all. I just want to live my life and not feel fear of people finding stuff out about me. Everything you need to know is already out. You know what I'm saying? Everything. That's how I want to live my life. But outside of the shadows. I don't want to be in the shadows anymore. So, yeah. So, I'm going I'm to wrap this up because it's now almost an hour, 40, 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, if you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at Hope at gmail.com. That is Y-A-H-I-R-A-J-O-N-E-S-H-O-P-E at gmail.com. Feel free to join DWH. I have added or included the ad on how to get to DWH um, on Facebook. Please join us there. You can also message me by pressing the message button at the bottom of your screen. If you're listening through anchor or through the, um, the show notes on whatever streaming platform that you're listening to this episode on right now. So that's going to do it. Um, I will be back, um, in September with two more episodes. So until next time, I'm your girl, your Jones, be safe and God bless.